Welcome to the Saturday Blitz Podcast with your tailgater crew, John Mitchell and Zach Bogalki. Welcome back to this week's Saturday Blitz Podcast, everybody. I'm Zach Bogalki here, as always, with John Mitchell. This week, we're going to be talking about the NCAA's uh, recent recommendations around name, image, and likeness rights for college athletes and what we think they got right and what we think they got wrong with it. And then in our second segment, we're going to have a bit of uh, gallows humor fun, I guess you could call it, because if the college football season doesn't begin next year, let's imagine a scenario where perhaps they can play five games in a neutral site, safe for everybody. What five games would you pick? That's what we're going to have on the docket for our second segment. But first, before we get started, let's check in. How are you doing this week, John? I'm doing well. Uh, I think there's maybe a little bit more optimism on the horizon this week um, than, than I've seen. So that's, that's always encouraging. Uh, but yeah, uh, doing well. Everything's starting to open back up a little bit around here, which is terrifying because I think it's probably a little too soon. But, you know. Any any push towards a little bit more of normalcy feels a little bit better at least. So doing fine, I guess. How about you? You know, uh, we're in the midst of finals week here at Penn State. So, you know, it's been an interesting combination of needing to get all my grading done for the classes I'm, or the class I'm an assistant in, and then uh, having to finish up all my final papers. So... You know, I've been diving a lot into old sources, looking at the history of Tulane and Marshall football, um, probably more than anybody's ever been in their right mind to do before. So, you know, fun for me, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd be doing that anyway. Exactly. And, you know, I have, I have an excuse to get a grade for it, and it's uh, allowing me to start conceptualizing some of the book I'm working on as well. So, win, win, win. Absolutely. But, you know, speaking of win, 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 um, let's look a bit at the NCAA's recent recommendations around name, image, and likeness. This is, you know, something that has been in the pipeline for a while, especially with uh, California's law that came out and other states that have quickly followed suit. We know that Florida's um, laws around athletes being able to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness is right down the pipeline. Um, several other states will have their laws coming uh, into effect rather soon as well. So, you know, the NCAA obviously had to jump at this, you know. It, they, they have to get out ahead of the game. Um, what did you like about what they, they recommended, John? I just liked that it's on the table at this point, you know, that we're actually pushing toward common sense legislation for college athletes to make money on their name, image, and likeness. So that's really the big thing for me is that this is actually happening. I it's not happening fast enough, it, you know, especially with everything that's going on and everyone um, needing a little extra compensation uh, right now, especially, I think it should be handled a little bit quicker, but 
you know, I, I'm surprised at least that they pushed it through, uh, not pushed it through, I guess, but it's on the table this quickly because it's something that's been talked about, but typically you see the NCAA sit on things for a long time. And nothing in this makes me confident it's going to happen quickly or anything, because I believe uh, the deadline they gave was by the beginning of the 2021-2022 academic year. So, you know, we're still a year away from um, it really potentially going into effect. But I just like that they actually seemingly making the correct move for once. It's so off-brand for the NCAA. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that they're moving forward in any way, shape, or form with this is, it's something that you asked five years ago. I don't think any of us would have imagined this to be happening at this time. I know, um, you know, I think about where I was five, six years ago, and I was, you know, I wasn't writing here at Saturday Blitz yet, but I was writing at a couple of other sites around the internet and I definitely remember writing about things like Kane Coulter and Northwestern's push to unionize. Um, and you know, just that those sorts of things feel like they happened a hundred years ago in the whole scheme of what's going down now, you know, at the same time though, I'm, I, I, I got to admit, I feel like, Like you said, first of all, this is kind of a really elongated timetable for the NCAA, and it's, you know, it's one of those things where they're putting in, you know, they they have all these stipulations about restrictions and quote-unquote fair market value when... Honestly, they don't have any specifics about what they what that means. And just like the word amateurism, it it, it, it basically is going to come down to meaning whatever the NCAA wants it to mean. And right. I think that's something that still really has me apprehensive about this. Yeah, I mean, who sets the bar for what that number actually is, right? Like what their fair market value actually is. I don't... I totally agree. I think that's a, a good thing to point out because, you know, especially everything with the NCAA is always so, I guess, gray. Nothing's ever been black and white with them. It's all just, they just make things up as they go, for lack of a better word. They've been doing that for a long time, and I, this probably won't be any different. So, obviously, I think the timetable is a little disappointing because I think a lot of people are hoping that this would get fast-tracked and be available for this academic year. But, you know, I don't want to nitpick I guess too much on on this kind of legislation that like you said five years ago seemed outlandish to even consider that we could make this much progress with the NCAA so quickly certainly and again it's one of those things where we have to you know acknowledge that something's happening and you know they are supporting the right of these athletes to receive payment to sign contracts, to, you know, do something independently on their own. I think that's, you know, that's probably the safest move on their part. And at the same time, I think the other part about this is it's not allowing for collective bargaining. You know, I I think that's another thing that came up because what's the one thing we wanted most out of this, John? 
NCAA football yeah. video game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody wanted the video game. And first of all, we're not going to get it during the, the pandemic that's going on. That's out the window with this kind of ruling. And then, you know, you think about it and the fact that they would have to negotiate. There, there's two things that basically make it a non-starter is first of all players you know they can negotiate individual contracts they can't be seen in any school gear so you know you could sign over your name image and likeness rights for a football game but rather than being quarterback number 12 on the florida gators or whatever you're going to be you know joe you know joe fantastic um, playing for um, Florida School X, you know, it, it, and to do that sort of game, but have players' rights put out, it, it effectively means that you're not going to have any of the pageantry of schools. You, you know, schools can't sign on to that then. So that makes it completely messy. And, you know, just this inability to collectively bargain. The other part of that is, you know, like the offensive line can't go and negotiate a contract together and, you know, go be like, you know, they, they can't, you know, create their own seven blocks of granite sort of mythology together. It, it has to be individual by individual. And, you know, I think that kind of sacrifices some cool opportunities that could be on the table for especially those players that aren't in the sexy skill positions. Yeah, I agree. I mean, to your point about the NCAA football game, too, the pageantry is the whole thing, right? That's the whole reason we play the game is to be able to command the team and play at the Rose Bowl, for instance, um, to, you know, play in these big rivalry games and control the action and whatnot or build a, a dynasty from the ground up um, in the dynasty mode for NCAA. So, you know, if you can't do that, there's no real point to me in making a game. It's not a game that I would want to play. So hopefully stuff like that will get ironed out because, you know, we've been talking about that every, like, third or fourth podcast. We bring up how much we miss this freaking video game. So, you know, we both really want to play, and I'd be hopping on it right now if I could. Yeah, and because this is our 56th sixth podcast that would mean we've talked about this at least 14 times with you all i would honestly probably put take the over on that given how much we love that damn game and how much so many people out there you know people i talk to on twitter people i talk to on facebook you know people i talk to just in my daily life as an academic who who deals with sport history you know People in all walks of life loved that game. And basically to set up these rules to make that an impossible goal, that's just stupid on the NCAA's part. I'm not going to mince words. It's stupid. Yeah. uh, You know, it was never going to be perfect when it came out with this kind of legislation because it's the NCAA for crying out loud. We... I guess should have been expecting that, but you know, I still see this as a as a positive overall. So I don't want to take away from that. There's obviously more could have been done. I think every single positive thing that NCAA has done in my lifetime, there's always been a caveat there where 
Well, they could have also done this, and that would have been much better. Uh, there's also been a bunch of times where it was very hard to see a silver lining anywhere, so at least that silver lining this time is pretty large. Yeah, there's certainly something, you know, if, if, if you look at it and, you know, you don't squint too deeply and look too fine-grained into it. So it's something, you know, I'll grant them that, it's something, but... Like I said on Twitter right after this first came out, it, it just feels like the NCAA has this real knack for sort of kicking themselves in the testicles as they're running toward their finest hour. <laughs> no, that's, that's uh, as good of an, of an analogy as could be said. I, 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 I don't know any other way to put it, really. It, it, it's sad. It, it's sad. You'd think you've got the perfect PR pitch right here, and then you, you, you water it down. Don't and honestly, us expecting anything different is like Charlie Brown holding the football, right? So, I mean, shame on us as well. Exactly. Well, on that note, let's, uh, let's take a break to, to go kick our own, you know, kick ourselves in the ass for a moment for falling into the trap and... Uh, Grab ourselves another drink to ease the troubles, and we'll be right back after this break, everybody. Welcome back from the break, everybody, to the Saturday Blitz podcast. We were just uh, kicking ourselves for falling into the NCAA's trap and expecting it all to be roses when they announced their recommendations for name, image, and likeness rights and privileges for college athletes. Let's shift to something a little bit more fun to talk about, though. Um, honestly, the premise of this might not be that fun, because we're starting from a point with our discussion this week, our, our, our hypothetical this week, from a point that the 2020 football season doesn't happen as we would expect. You know, it doesn't kick off at, at the end of August. We don't have a full 12-game schedule for every team. Basically, teams are sidelined. But imagine if in this scenario, just pure hypothetical, because, you know, this is a world where we're complete fantasy. But if there was the opportunity to have Five football games from the 2020 schedule played. Ten teams, five games. Which five games that are currently on the schedule would we pick and why? And so, you know, John and I had a bit of fun sort of sitting here and, and, and playing with these lists. I think partly because it did require us to, one, only pick one of our favorite team, you know, one game from our favorite teams. And then it also, uh, it required us to dig a little bit deeper into the schedule. Like, what are those game, you know, those five can't miss games that we really wanted to watch? It, you know, and if football does indeed happen, that we're going to be thrilled to watch. So, you know, with with all those ground rules laid out, John, um, no particular order, don't really care when they happen in the season, but throw one at me. What's a game you absolutely would would be dying to watch in the, if you could pick five games to happen at a neutral site? You know, the first one that came to my mind was Alabama-LSU. Uh, you know, you've got the defending national champion LSU. You've got Alabama who, you know, 
not the defending champs for once, but, uh, you know, played, uh, lost to LSU, I guess, for the first time since the 2011 game in Bryant-Denny. So, had been a long time. So, seeking a little bit of vengeance this time around. And, you know, that game, typically, even though it was dominated over the last decade by Alabama, still produced a lot of really good football games. You know, you think about... Um, the 2012 game where A.J. McCarron hit T.J. Yeldon on the screen pass for Bama to win the game late. Uh, you had the overtime game in uh, Baton Rouge in 2014. Um, and you had last year's game in particular, which, you know, wasn't great for a while. LSU broke out to a, a big lead after playing really a perfect first half of football. And then Alabama furiously charged back in the second half. We had a pretty pretty fun final stanza of that game it was really back and forth both teams fighting tooth and nail to get that win so I'd, I'd love to see that even with you know obviously LSU losing Joe Burrow Alabama losing to a tongue by Loa both teams going through a quarterback swap but both are projected to be top five to ten teams again this year so I, I want that game and I don't want it at a neutral site though I want it at Baton Rouge in Death Valley at night like it's supposed to be of course of course, and who knows, maybe our neutral site is Baton Rouge where they could actually play the games, but <coughs> I think that's a really solid pick. I, I really, you know, it, it's always been one of those highlight games of the season for well over a decade now, so, you know, consistently helps decide the SEC West, and even in transition, these are teams that don't rebuild, they just retool, and I, I think it, it, it's always an elite competition. So hopefully it happens on November on November 7th, as, you know, as previously planned, but if not, it'd be a hell of a game wherever they get to play. I picked LSU as well, but... You know, the game I'm really interested in, and, and maybe it's the fool in me, but part of it's the pageantry of it. Part of it's just, if it's a one-off like this, you've got to imagine both teams are coming in absolutely jacked up for it. But Texas at LSU was a, is a, scheduled for September 12th. And, you know, for a lot of the same reasons you had with LSU, I'd love to see the defending national champs, you know, take their best punch, especially from a Texas team that's, you know, it, it's perennially going to be their year next year. And, you know, I think with Sam Ellinger back in the fold and, you know, just the talent that Tom Herman has there, this is his best chance to pull off a statement win like that. And I, I think... Again, this is the type of game where no matter where you hold it, it'd be a hell of a game. So, yeah, it feels like the kind of game that Texas would pull the upset before going into conference play and losing to like Kansas. <laughs> yeah, it would <laughs> be, exa- be very Texas. Exactly. So for them in this scenario, it works out great where they don't have to play any other games after that. They can just have their one thrilling game of the year. Hmm. Uh, I'll stick with Texas because I also had a Texas game. It's hard for me to really envision a college football season without getting to watch the Red River Shootout. And yes, I'm aware that it's called the Red River Rivalry now, but to me it's always the Red River Shootout. Um, so, and you know, that game's already on a neutral site in, in Dallas. Um, 
So I, I would love to see that. And the same kind of reasons, you know, Texas supposedly um, should have a good team this year. You never really know with the Longhorns. You can kind of throw out all you want statistically and look at their returning talent. That rarely matters <laughs> for Texas recently because the years that looks like they're going to be really good, like this year, for instance, they kind of backtrack a little bit after feeling bad following that Sugar Bowl win over Georgia two years ago. So, you know, Texas is, um, if they're going to make a move and win the Big 12, this would feel like the year that it's there because Oklahoma is retooling a bit. They don't have that graduate transfer in the waiting quarterback anymore. There's no Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, or Jalen Hurts this year. They're going with the homegrown quarterback, Spencer Rattler. At least that's what it looks like. Uh, you know, we didn't get spring football to confirm that, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, it looks like he's going to be the guy there. Um, and then Texas has Sam Ellinger back for his fifth season um, with the Longhorns. You know, he's a fifth-year senior quarterback coming out, and you've got to figure that this feels to him like this is their year. So it would be really interesting um, to get to see that game, to see where the Longhorns stack up, and to see also – you know, can Lincoln Riley groom a quarterback that's homegrown instead of a, a transfer quarterback who had already been, you know, in another system and developed? Yeah, and, you know, I think the other part of this Texas team is, you know, they don't have Maryland on the schedule, so you've yeah. got to at least feel like, you know, they got a chance to, to play well. Um, that would have been in my top five if they had. Oh, my God. It, it, it'd be glorious to watch sort of the, the inevitable collapse that always seems to happen in that game um, when those two teams meet. But, you know, I didn't have Oklahoma, so I'm just going to take us in a different direction now. Um, you know, I one I really like, and... You know, maybe it's the fool in me because we also hear, you know, Nebraska's supposed to just be around the corner with Scott Frost. And, you know, that seems to be the past couple seasons of optimism. Um, But I'm really excited by Cincinnati's chance to go to Lincoln and play the Cornhuskers. Um, you know, you know, my feeling on group of five powerhouses and the fact that Luke Fickle decided to stay with the Bearcats and just how much returning talent that team has. I I think it's one where getting their shot against a blue blood program, even one that's been down for a while, like Nebraska has, you know, it's just always one of those things where it's a fun thing to watch and I'm a sucker for those kind of games so that's one I definitely have in my five because you got to have at least one Cinderella matchup in these games in my opinion yeah I, I like that pick you got you know a Nebraska team that should theoretically be ready to take a step forward in year three under Scott Frost right you got a Cincinnati team that's been so close to breaking through in the group of five race and that would give them a a hell of an opportunity to make a statement. So, yeah, I'm totally, totally on board with that one. Um, sticking with my rivalry um, phase, Florida and Georgia in Jacksonville. Also, you know, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. You know, trying to take that name away as well. But that's what that game will always be called to me as well. So, uh, you know, Florida and Georgia, two teams this year that, have what national championship aspirations, right? The Gators have made back-to-back New Year's Six Bowl games, but have lost to Georgia 
Haven't been able to get over that hump in the SEC East and get to the championship game. Georgia's got a little bit of a turnover this year. You know, they brought in Jamie Newman from Wake Forest, but how will he transition into their offense and into the SEC? And can Georgia's offense take advantage of his skill set and move forward into this century with their offense? They've been kind of stuck in the past and trying to run more of a pro-style set that's being left behind. So, you know, that game, just like Alabama LSU, always seems to have a lot to say with who wins the SEC East. So I, I, I always love watching that game. It's always competitive. It's always fun. And that's part of the fun of college football is these rivalry games, right, where everything's hotly contested. Whether there's asses in the seats or not at the stadium, you can bet that the blood will be boiling and that they'll be ready to go at each other. And, yeah, even if fans can't show up at that site and, you know, host the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, um, hopefully with proper social distancing, uh, you know, everybody and their mom would be hosting it at their own houses, you know, like everybody would be sure to have a cocktail in hand watching that game. I love it. I, I, I love this sort of steer toward rivalry as well. And, uh, so when we come back from this quick break, I'll go right into my rivalry option because it might not be the rivalry you're all immediately thinking or knowing me, maybe it is. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back from that break, everybody, to the Saturday Blitz podcast. We've been talking about five college football games we absolutely want to see next year, and if we couldn't see them in our regularly scheduled season, we'd love to at least see them be played at a neutral site for the benefit of our televisions. Um, You know, imagining in this scenario that we can keep everybody involved safe and, you know, on track to, to remain healthy. So, with that given... John's been talking a lot about rivalry games, and, you know, I've kind of been remiss in sort of steering clear of those, but one rivalry game that I've really loved in recent years and I want to see again is UCF-Memphis. It's It's been one of those, you know, real sort of slobber knockers that's been absolutely fun to watch. You know, we saw them play what is it, four times over the past three years, Sean? Something like that? Yeah, that sounds about right. And, you know, every time has just been an an out-and-out thriller. You know, the first one was a big blowout for UCF, but other than that, they've all been just down-to-the-wire, you know, overtime games, just late thrillers, and... I'm imagining with, you know, I want to see what Josh Heupel's team is going to do this year, sort of bouncing back from, which, you know, is crazy to say, but a 10-win downswing. Um, And, you know, that really does show that the Knights have gotten to that point where when 10 wins is a disappointing finish, you're doing something right. And Memphis, you know, obviously, with their trip to the New Year's Six last year and uh, winning the American Athletic Conference finally, they've kind of asserted themselves as the new 
the new big dogs on the block, and I'd love to see that all all play out wherever we could see it happen. Yeah, no, those have been really fun games. Also, be interesting to see, you know, how Ryan Silverfield does taking over for Mike Norvell as the head coach. If he can keep that level that Norvell built up um, at Memphis, so yeah, it's definitely one of the better games of the Group of Five every year. And you would think would have if the seasons played out would have a a huge be a huge factor in the Group of Five race this season for sure. So, um, so moving forward, I went with. Clemson Notre Dame for my next one. I, I really like these big non-conference matchups, and this is kind of a weird one because you don't typically see this kind of non-conference matchup in November. Yeah. Uh, like this is scheduled for November seventh. So if we get a season, we get Alabama LSU with Clemson Notre Dame on the same Saturday, which you know that's an incredible um, duet of games. So. I, you know, I'd love to see if Notre Dame has, you know, taken any strides since their last meeting against Clemson that didn't go so well um, in the college football playoff. Uh, to their advantage, if the season happens, they would get the Tigers in South Bend, so that's huge to get that home field advantage. Um, I don't know if it'll matter, because I don't know if the gap's been closed that much in the two years since that game, uh, especially with you know, Clemson having a junior Trevor Lawrence who's, you know, among the Heisman Trophy favorites and just a, a wealth of talent around him with guys like Travis Etienne and Justin Ross and then your typical Brett Venables defense that's locked and loaded as well. So I, you know, that's one of the games that I was really looking forward to this season. I hope we get, particularly, like I said, because having that kind of big non-conference matchup in November is just so... It's so odd. You're used to having conference matchups and cupcake games in the non-conference. So kudos to Clemson for, you know, agreeing to a game that late in the season against Notre Dame. And I think that'll go a long way for Clemson if the season's played because that's been the knock on them the last few years, right? As the ACC's been so down, they haven't played a lot of high-profile matchups, particularly late in the season when everybody else is playing their tougher conference opponents. Well, one thing I've been wondering, is this a game that Clemson scheduled, or is this part of the ACC rotation for Notre Dame? That's a good... I don't, I don't immediately have the answer to that. That could be... It's probably the other, because it's kind of hard to picture Dabo agreeing to something like that, now that I actually think of it. So, yeah, I don't want to give him any more credit than I have to, so... You know, whatever it is, though, however it came about, it's going to be a hell of a matchup, and it would be fun to watch wherever they get to play it. Um, but obviously, getting to see it in the shadow of touchdown Jesus is optimal. Um, I also had Notre Dame on my list, but it was a game that's, you know, kind of closer to my heart. It's the game that they're scheduled to play against Wisconsin at Lambeau Field in Green Bay on October 3rd, and I mean, obviously they're already at a neutral site. I'm imagining if they actually held this game at a neutral site, it probably wouldn't be Lambeau Field. At the same time, though, you know, it, it's a smaller community than other big stadiums where they might hold this. And at the same time, they might just go hold it at a field in Wyoming or something since, you know, you, if you're not hosting it with fans, 
the lower the population, the better. Anyway, um, I hope we get to see this game at, at Lambeau, but wherever we get to see it, you know, Wisconsin is one of my teams, and I'd love to see him play this year. And so, um, I think out of their schedule, the most intriguing game on that list, just from all of the standpoints of where it's being held and, you know, sort of the history between these two teams, I'd love to see them get their chance against the Fighting Irish. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely one that we're serving like on, particularly because it's being played at Lambeau. Like, how cool is it to watch? You know, we had a, a whole segment about this several podcasts ago. We talked about fun, neutral field environments to have games. So that's definitely one that we mentioned just because of the history um, there. So my last one uh, to finish out for me, one of my favorite games every year, no matter what, is the Rose Bowl, obviously, because of, you know, getting to see just the sight of it. And like we talked about earlier, the pageantry of college football, nothing encompasses the pageantry of college football to me better than the Rose Bowl with the sun setting. Um, You know, this could theoretically be a Rose Bowl matchup anyway. So if we're going to put it at neutral site, let's put it there. Um, In the regular season, September 12th, Ohio State's going to Eugene to play your Oregon Ducks. That's obviously one of the more key non-conference matchups of the season and could also be just a flat-out Rose Bowl preview. So um, for me, I... I hate the idea of losing the Rose Bowl just about as much as I hate the idea of anything this college with the, you know, coronavirus threatening the season. So I'd want to see that game. I'd want to see it played at the granddaddy of them all. Um, Even if it was, you know, just you and me on opposite ends of the stadium watching the game. I'd certainly go for that. I don't know how much money we'd have to spring to make that happen, but you know, if, if we had unlimited funds, I, I would make that happen someday. Um, I also, obviously, I, I was going to pick an Oregon game, and the Ohio State game is one that I thought about, but, <laughs> well, I actually wanted to see Oregon play a national champion, and so the one that strikes me is their chance against Trey Lance and, and the Bison of North Dakota State, the, you know, the FCS champions for eight of the past nine years running. Um, Oregon, you know, the big thing coming into this year has been talk about just how far advanced their defense has become and... I, I think it'd be fun to get to see if they finally dish out Lance's first college interception and if they were able to to, to make him experience his first <laughs> college loss. Um, and at the same time, um, I'm kind of afraid of that game because I think North Dakota State very well could come into Austin and kick the Ducks' ass. Um but, you know, it'd be a hell of a game to see. And I hate, um, given how teams have, it, it's felt like in the past couple of years have tried to duck North Dakota State after their run of dominance against FBS teams. Um, 
it, it, it's a real shame to see him lose that opportunity this year. And so if I could, I could allow that to happen with the national champs, I, I'd want it to happen. Yeah, I, I love that. Especially, you know, you're looking at the way too early 2021 mock draft. Trey Lance is projected as a first-round pick next season. So it would be really fascinating because I think a lot of people are still unaware of who he is. So this is really his chance in a national spotlight in Austin to play against, you know, the defending Pac-12 champion Oregon Ducks. So, you know, if he can show out in that game, even if they do come up short, if he plays well, only reinforces his standing as one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, regardless of division. Yeah, and what a chance all around. I mean, and who knows, you know, maybe the neutral site they pick for everybody is the the barn there in, uh, in Fargo, so... Good as far as any. Yeah, honestly. Um, the other one I was thinking about was uh, Pocatello, Idaho. The the old potato barn they had at Holt Arena for Idaho State. Um, and for some, you know, the, the random connections that happened for me. But I remember seeing Bob Dylan there in 2000. I was like, huh, that'd be a fun place to, to just see a bunch of random football teams play. Why not? It's as good as any other. Yeah, absolutely. Wherever we can play the games and do it safely, I'm all for it. You and me both. Well, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, thought experiment out there. Um, You know, think about it yourselves. What are the five games you'd absolutely love to see played next year? Um, And if you couldn't see them played, what are the five games you'd absolutely want to see played if we could do it on a neutral site at the very least so think it over shoot us your picks on twitter at z Begalke, at jl mitchell 93 and uh we look forward to talking with you all not next week because we're going to be off for a week but we'll be back with you in a fortnight two wednesdays from now uh to talk more college football so until then stay safe stay healthy Have the last word, John. Roll time.